And this is the best one of all of them. Revelation 2, verse 10. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Amen. The crown of life, the, the trophy of life that we get, which is eternal life to live in heaven with God. Remain faithful till the end. There is a standard that God has called us to uphold that requires us to be faithful to the end. And those who are faithful to the end will receive that crown of life. And, you know, as I was planning this, this message this week, I was thinking kind of what got me spurred on to this, in fact, was just uh, I've been dealing with some situations with people that I've just been talking to about their life and things that have been going on. And, and what I've noticed is like, it seems like some people uh, really have a knack, I guess, or, or have really tuned their heart in to being able to really focus on the Lord in their life and really can walk this walk of faith in a way where they, they, can, they, can, they can be faithful. And then, and then there's others that just really struggle. You see, you see they want to be faithful. They want to love God. They want to serve God, but just can't seem to get, get out of their own way. They can't seem to get their flesh out of their way so that they can really tune their heart into God. And you see it all the time. I see, you see it with siblings. They can be raised by the same parents in the same household, same upbringing, and one is serving the Lord, doing good. And the other one just can't ever seem to really get traction in their Christian walk. I mean, you can see it in the Bible. You know, you look at Cain and Abel were brothers and they obviously had two very different paths. And Jacob and Esau were twins and had completely different paths that they walked. And so, and we see this and I, and I think, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of an introspective person. I like to ask myself a lot of questions even when I'm reading the word and saying like, okay, God, why, why is this? You know, why is it like this? Why did you, why are some people just so, seem to be so faithful in serving you and really giving their lives to you and, and fighting the good fight and others just really struggle even though they've heard the truth and know the truth. And I'll go back to what I said a minute ago, that I believe it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of our heart being in tune to God. In fact, Jesus said in, uh, in Matthew 12, 33, he gives us, he gives us kind of a, a litmus here. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by his fruit. That's, that's very simple. If the tree's good, the fruit's going to be good. If the tree's bad, the fruit's going to be bad. He's talking about our hearts there. This, that's us. He's saying, if, you, if your heart's good, you're going to have good fruit in your life. You know, and, and Paul talks in Galatians, in Galatians 5, about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit, which tells me that we can walk in faithfulness because of the Spirit of God living in us. This is such a beautiful, beautiful promise from God is that God doesn't just say, hey, I want you to be faithful to me. And then he sits there with his arms folded, just waiting for you to do it. He, he, that's, not the, that's not the God we serve. He, he's the guy that actually empowers us to live for him. He's the one that says, I'm calling you to faithfulness. Oh, but by the way, I'm also going to give you my spirit that's basically going to do it through you. Yeah, right. Which is wonderful. You know, as, as parents, we try to tell our kids to do something and we just cross our fingers and, and hope and pray that they do what we ask them to do. You know, we can't, we don't really have any power over them to make them do what we want to do. Unless they're really little, then we can force them. But as they grow up, you just, you, you hope and pray for the best. But God's saying, here, I want you to do this. But I'm not going to leave you out on an island. I'm going to give you a shot in the arm that's going to last you and that's going to stay with you as long as you continue to look to me and to serve me. That's a great promise from God that he can help us to live that life of fruit. And so I would ask you today, how is your heart? Just a simple question. How is your heart? You know, is your, are you, do you feel like your heart's maybe hard? And maybe you're, you're not even sure why you're here today. You came today and you're thinking, I'm just coming because I'm just supposed to go to church. But you don't really know if you believe all this thing about living a Christian life. Or maybe you're, you're in the, the Christian life. Maybe you got saved for what you can get from God. You know, he's kind of your cash cow in a way. You know, I mean, these are these things we'd never say out loud to anybody else. But, but we know our hearts. And we know where we're coming from. And, and maybe that's an area that, that you deal with. I've dealt with that at times 
where I'm, I'm kind of walking this walk because I, I feel like I, God can give me what I need. You know, or maybe you're, maybe you're doing great. Maybe you're thriving. Maybe you just have a, a great perspective and you're walking with the Lord and you're loving life and, and things are going great for you. And, and if that's you today, praise God. Uh, I pray that you'll still get, get some, some nuggets of truth out of this today because if you are doing well, we all know that, that trials are going to come in life. There's going to be situations that we have to deal with that, that we need to have an understanding of, of how God works in us and through us. So I want to give you, I want to go through a, a parable that Jesus did. And um, it's the parable that Jesus gave us in Matthew 13, where he talks about the soil. Most of you probably know this, this parable. He, he taught in parables a lot because it helped people to understand what he, was, what he was talking about. It was a way to give an analogy that people could understand. And so he gives us this uh, parable about soil. And he's telling this group of people, he said, hey, the kingdom of God is like seed that's thrown out. And uh, it's thrown out on the ground. And he said the seed falls in, he describes four different types of soil. Uh, some of the seed falls on the path which is like really hard dirt that's been packed down by people walking on it constantly and, and, and carriages and horses running on it. And it's just been packed. And so the seed falls on that. And it's, he said that uh, the second kind of soil that he talks about is rocky soil, where seed falls down on rocky soil and it, it, it grows quickly because it's got shallow roots. But when the sun and the heat hit it, it actually dies and it causes it to be unfruitful. Because in, in Israel, from what I understand, is there have a lot of areas where there's good soil for a few inches, but right under that is, is a bedrock of limestone. And so the roots can never go past that rock and it stays really shallow. And so it, it saps the strength out of the plant. And then the third type of soil he talks about is the one with thorns, where thorns grow up with the plant and strangle it and choke it out and make it unfruitful. And then the fourth one, obviously, is the good soil that produces a, a wonderful harvest. And uh, so the, after he leaves this group of people, the disciples pull him aside and say, hey, Jesus, we don't really understand what you're talking about. Can you explain, why are you talking about seed? And so Jesus explains it to him. I'm going to read that part. It's in Matthew 13, verses 19 to 23. This is Jesus speaking. He said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, this is a, this is a great analogy. He's talking here about our heart. The soil is us. It is our heart where we are in our walk in life. And he's saying there's four types of soil that when the seed, which is the word of God, which is the, the promises of God, the Bible, the, the, the sermons you hear, whatever, whatever in your life has to do with God, that's the seed. Okay. And then we have these four different types of soil. Now I want to say that I don't believe any one of us is just one type of soil. None of us are completely hardened and none of us are completely great soil. We've all got issues that we're dealing with in our life. And chances are there's areas of your life where you may, you may have really great soil. You know, where you really feel like you thrive in life. Like, you know, the word of God has germinated in you and you feel like you're producing well. You know, you, you've dealt with, with pride and arrogance and, and you feel like you're walking in humility pretty well and you're doing good in that. But, but maybe you're really struggling with fear and anxiety. And, and that area of your heart is, is more, uh, has more thorns in it than others. So this, these four soils should pertain to every one of us in some way or another. In part. And so I want to go through these four soils real quickly and just expand on them a little bit so we can understand a little better what they are. And the first one is the path. 
that Jesus talks about. And that's the hardened ground. It's really hard. It's packed real tight. You know, when the seed falls on that, it can't go down into the dirt. The birds of the air, which is basically the enemy, comes and takes that seed away and it doesn't produce anything. It can't produce any fruit because it's gone. The enemy steals it. So for us, for most of us, I would say that that, is a, that would be an area of our life where we're, our hearts are hard. I mean, he actually pretty clear there that it's a hardened path, which means that our hearts are hard. And, and some of that comes from, from, from things that have happened to us in our past. Our past, nobody's born with a hard heart. Hearts get hard over time because of experience, right? And so these are things that have happened to us that have caused us to be hardened. You know, and it causes us to not allow any fruit to grow in that area of our life. Like, like for worry, you know, you may have had something tragic happen to somebody in your family or to you, and it's caused you to not be able to trust in that area. You just worry, and it's because of a past experience. Um, it, unbelief or, or unforgiveness, those things will really cause hardness in our heart that doesn't allow fruit to grow in us. You know, unforgiveness, not, not being willing to forgive somebody that's done something wrong to you, that will cause a hard heart that will cause you to have uh, not be fruitful in your life. In fact, there's a, there's a verse here in Hebrews I want to read. It's from Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. The writer of Hebrews says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Anytime we are hardened, it is because of the enemy. The enemy is the one that comes to harden us. He wants us hard so that he can come and pull that seed and eat that seed right off of us so that it never soaks in, so it never germinates, so it never produces anything. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Some of us have become hardened because of sin in our life. If we, if we engage in sin over and over and over and, and we just allow it to have its way in our life, it will harden your heart. It causes you to not be able to receive the seed of God that's trying to be planted inside of you. We, we can't, we, we, we see this too often in the church and, and all over the place where people, they, they want to they wanna do right, but they just can't give up certain sins in their life. And those sins just keep, just keep plucking away and just keep packing the dirt harder and harder and harder until it's, there's, there's just no fruitfulness there. And that sin will absolutely cause hardness in our, in our life, in our heart. Okay? Um, so the second soil... And I want to, I'm going to move through these kind of quickly because I, I don't want to uh, keep you here forever. So the shallow soil is the second one. And that, that's the soil that has no deep root. I mentioned that. There's, a, there's rock underneath the soil. It doesn't allow any deep root to go in. Uh, this would be, these are people that are just hanging on by a thread. If you're, if you're saved and you're a Christian, but you're just hanging on, it's like the slightest thing can cause you to just kind of veer off and, and, and go away and do your own thing and get angry with God because of the heat that comes in your life. That's, that's what the shallow soil represents for us. Um, a lot of times we, we haven't really considered what we're committing to, the, the people that are dealing with a, a shallow faith. And I think, you know, when we talk about a shallow faith, we really, I think we understand what that is because for a lot of us, we've gone through, there's areas in our life that we feel like our faith is kind of shallow. We, we have a hard time trusting God in those areas in our life because there's not a lot of root with us. Because we, you know, you, it, it says that Jesus said that this person, when he gets, when this person receives the seed in shallow soil, they get saved and they're excited about it right away, but it's because they haven't really considered what they're committing to. They kind of, they fall away because it doesn't make getting saved and giving your life to Jesus doesn't make your life perfect. Everybody knows that, amen? But it, it, what it does is that you have a partner that's going along with you in life that's helping you to deal with those things that aren't perfect. Um, the people that have, if you're, if you're living a shallow faith, you kind of pick and choose what you want to believe out of the word of God. You don't, you don't take the word as, as a whole. You kind of pick the things out that you like and disregard the things you don't really like. That, that's what shallow faith does. Uh, I, I think the best example of that is, is a verse we hear quoted all the time. I, I love it. We all love it. Uh, Paul saying in Philippians, 
He says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We love that verse. I love it. And, and we'll, we'll quote it all the time. But if you take it out of context, it sounds like, you know, just ah, that's our God. He just loves us so much. He's just going to make sure all our needs are taken care of. But if you look at it in context, you see that before he says that, he's talking to the Philippian church saying, hey, you guys were great to me on my missionary journeys, on my trips. You were supporting me. You supported me to the point of making sacrificial uh, uh, donations to my ministry to help me financially and with things that I've needed. And even when other churches didn't help, you guys still helped. You made so many sacrifices for me. And then he says, and my God shall supply all your needs. He's talking about there's, there's kind of a prerequisite to receiving that, that truth that he's given to them is that those people gave sacrificially. And for us to think we could just do our own thing and be stingy and, and, and never be generous with anybody or anything and think, oh, God's going to supply my needs because the Bible says it. We're taking something out of context. We're kind of picking and choosing what we want. And that goes, against, that goes against the truth of what God's saying there. And that's, that's what shallow faith does. It's like, I'm just going to believe the things I want to believe. I'm going to grab onto the things that sound good. And I'm going to disregard the things that are going to make me uncomfortable. So that's shallow soul. Uh, the third one is thorns. Okay, so the, with thorns, Jesus said that the fruit gets choked out of your life. It, it, it chokes it. it. It can still live, but it's unfruitful because it's being strangled by thorns. Okay, and he, uses, he gives two very specific things that these thorns are, which this is the only type of soil where he gets, where he gets specific. He says that uh, the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth are two things that choke out the fruit in our life. And man, when I think about that, I think, I mean, he really, he really knows how to hit you right where he knows how to get us, doesn't he? Because the, the worries of life, you know, the, ang- the anxiety and, and fear and, and stressing out and then, and then the love of money are two of the biggest things that keep Christians from being fruitful in life. And there's no question about it. Absolutely no question about it. And, and the worries of life, I mean, that's, that's basically, those are areas where you just don't trust God. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're worrying about something, you're not trusting God. Because if you're trusting God, there's no place for worry. Because, it, because your, your peace isn't based on the outcome. Your peace is based on trusting him no matter what you're going through. And so worry is a lack of trusting God. And that's where he's saying you will not be fruitful if you live your life worrying and in fear all the time. You won't be, you won't be fruitful. And again, he's not, he's not pointing this out to beat us up. He doesn't, Jesus never exposes things in our heart to beat us up and say, aha, I got you. That's where you don't love me enough. Yeah. He always points things out so that he can heal us, yeah. so that he can help us turn our heart towards him, so we can recognize the, the tools of the enemy and the tactics that the enemy uses so that we can turn from that and turn towards him. Yeah. But he's saying that the worries of life, and the other one that he says is the deceitfulness of wealth. And I, I, I love this so much because it is... It, Jesus talked about money a lot. We all know that. And money is the one thing when, when people start reaching in your pocket, that, that's, a, that's just something that a lot of people just don't like that. And uh, what he's saying here, he's not saying that wealth is the thing that chokes out life. You have to be very, we have to really look at this and understand what he's saying here. He's saying the deceitfulness of wealth, which is saying to me that for those that think wealth is what's going to change everything and cause them to be fruitful, it's going to bring joy in their life and peace and the happiness and everything's going to be great if I could just have more stuff. If I could just make more money, if I could just have more, then I'll be happy. He's saying that is deceitful. You are being deceived if you think that, though, that stuff is going to make you happy. Yes. Uh, the, the, the wealthiest people in the United States are some of the most miserable. It does not. Uh, if you ever watch, they do shows on people that have won the lottery. 90% of people that win the lottery are miserable within five years. It, money does not fix anything. And he's saying that when we focus on that, and we allow that to be something that consumes us and something that we're really motivated towards. He's saying, you will not have be fruitful in your life. It will choke out the fruitfulness in your life because your heart is not good soil. I didn't say wealth is bad. We love, wealth's great. 
we can't, the gospel can't go out without money. So God blesses people to be wealthy, but it's all about where your heart is. If you think that wealth's going to make you happy, you're being deceived by the enemy. Okay? Um, and he also talks about with the thorns, he talks about the fact that we become unfruitful. He says it chokes out the fruit. And I thought that was very interesting too because, you know, Jesus, he mentions fruit in another uh, part of, in, in Mark 11, he's, where Jesus is walking with his disciples and he sees a fig tree off in the distance and it has leaves on it. So he goes up to the fig tree thinking he'll have figs because it says he was hungry. It didn't have any figs on it. So he cursed the tree. He said, may you never bear fruit again. And uh, it actually says in that passage that it was not seasoned for figs. They weren't even supposed to have figs on the trees in that season. And I remember thinking, man, that's, that's pretty harsh of Jesus to curse that tree. He wasn't even supposed to have figs. You know, what's, what, what's going on with that? It sounds like he lost his temper, you know. And, uh, but if you research it a little more and you look into it, you see that fig trees weren't supposed to have leaves unless they had figs. Like a fig tree that has leaves has fruit. And so this tree produced leaves out of season but never produced the fruit. And from a distance, it looked like this tree was fruitful. And so when Jesus got up close to it, he saw it didn't. So he cursed it because it was being pretentious. It was pretending to have fruit when it really didn't. And I mean, that, that's, a, that's, quite a, that's quite an illustration even in our personal life. You know, we can pretend to be fruitful as long as we keep people at a distance, can't we? We can pretend all day long. I can look good. I can dress nice. I can put on my suit and look like I got it all together and smile and say, praise God, everything's great. And as long as I don't let you into my life and really know anything about what's inside of me, you think I'm great and fruitful and, and, and good. Especially if I spend a lot of money on my clothes, you know? We look great. We could put, a, we could put, we can dress it all up, but it's what's on the inside that matters. And we know that Jesus is going to see what's on the inside. He's saying, if you're not fruitful on the inside, I praise God we're not trees. He doesn't curse us so that we wither. Praise God for that. He, he, he gives grace to humans, not trees. So thank you, thank you, Jesus, for that. He never would curse us because of that. He will, he will bring us along. But what, what the principle of that illustration there is that it's not okay. When we fake to have fruit, we're making a mockery of what Jesus did for us. We're mocking him. And he would much rather, the, the, one, of the, one of the solutions to having fruit in your life is to be honest and transparent and open with our God. And say, God, this is an area I need you to help me. You know, we, not, we, we hide stuff from Jesus all the time, which is the, the biggest fallacy in the whole world to think we can hide things from God. You know, I, I love in Genesis where Adam was hiding from God because he was naked. I'm like, how do you hide from God? That's not even possible, you know? But we think we can do it. We're, we're all Adams too. And so we think we can do it too, but we can't hide from him. So it's best that we just be open and transparent with him and allow him to do his work in our life. Okay, then finally was the good soil. And the good soil produces a great harvest in your life. The best description I can give for good soil that I think is what Paul said in Philippians, where he said that I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's good soil. I, I love it. I, I, Paul didn't say... Um, that I consider everything a loss except for doing exactly what Jesus tells me and never sinning. He didn't say that. He said, I, I consider everything a loss uh, but the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, knowing him. Yeah. That means he had his heart turned to God. In every area of his life, he's saying, God, I want to know you more. Whatever's going on here, I got a thorn in my flesh, I want to know you more. Yeah. I'm being persecuted, I've been stoned, I'm going to know you more. Yeah. Like everything that happened in his life caused him to say, God, I just want to know you more. Yeah. Everything I've acquired is worthless it says rubbish later in that chapter. Everything is rubbish compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It doesn't mean everything is rubbish. We, every, not everything is rubbish. It's rubbish in comparison to knowing Jesus. That's good soil. That's good soil. Paul wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. But he had good soil in his life. In the areas that he didn't have good soil, he kept working towards having good soil in those areas. And, he, and this is why he said that. 
He said, everything is a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. It's all, faithfulness is all about our heart, our desire to know him better, to serve him and to love him and see his life lived out through us in our life. And I love too that it, it, with the good soil thing, it doesn't mean that you're weed free. You know, sometimes good soil, weeds can grow good in good soil too. You know, I, when, I, when we built our house, I, I planted an oak tree out in the front and the landscaper convinced me to actually get a load of topsoil to put there for the tree. He said, you know, it's going to grow better. Topsoil is good, nutrient rich. And so I did it. And uh, man, the tree is doing great. I mean, it's, I'm so proud of it. Joy always laughs at me because I'm always talking about how great that tree is. And it's flourished in that topsoil. But you know what else has flourished in that topsoil? Weeds. If I'm not careful, weeds come up all the time. I gotta, I'm always fighting weeds with Roundup, you know? And so weeds can grow in good soil too. So we always have to, that's just, that just tells me we're always going to have tension in life. We're always going to have things we're going to have to be dealing with. Just because you have good soil doesn't mean everything's just going to flow. Paul, I believe, I think we all agree, Paul had pretty good soil. And he went through more than all of us combined in this room. And so it doesn't mean everything's perfect. It just means that our hearts are fixed on him. And that's what makes it worth it. Okay, so let me, let me finish up by just giving you a, a few practical ways that I believe to, uh, to have good soil in our hearts. To be able to be that fourth soil that Jesus is asking us to be. And uh, to do that, though, I think we have to ask the question, why was Jesus, why were we compared to soil? Why are we soil and the word is seed? I think it's, I think it's important that we look at that for a minute. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the agriculture in that day was a big deal. A lot of people were farmers. They understood that kind of an analogy. But there's, Jesus was intentional about everything. He didn't just throw words out just for the fun of it. And I believe the reason that we are considered soil is because we have to receive that seed. You know, there, there's, a, there's an outside part to us that we have to have to make us what he wants us to be. We cannot produce fruit by ourselves. That topsoil I put down at my house, that could be the prettiest, most nutrient-rich topsoil that's ever been created in the history of the world. If there's no seed put in it, that topsoil is going to sit there and be pretty soil. There's no fruit going to grow out of that soil if there's not good seed put in it. And so it's important for us that we receive the seed that God is wanting to plant in our life. And the issue that we see with this parable that he gives in all four situations, or, or the three that, that aren't good soils, the issue is always the soil. Now, this, this, this kind of hits us home at home here, but we are the soil in this parable. You guys understand that. We are the soil. So the issue with not producing fruit in our life is always, always because of us. It's because of our heart. And that's not to beat us up. That's just to help us understand that the issue is never the seed. The Word of God is never the issue. The Word of God is true for each and every one of us. God is no respecter of persons. His word is true for, for you over here just as much as it is for you over here. It's, the issue is never the seed. The issue is never the sower. He didn't say, oh, the sower messed up and accidentally threw some on the path. You know, that was the sower's fault. Nope. The sower should have been able to throw it over there. If that, if that soil had been good, it would have grown. The issue is never the, the sower. It's not, it's not God. It's not the preacher. It's not the small group leader. It's not the parent. It's not the boss. It, the issue is never the sower of the seed. Okay? And he also says the issue is not the elements. You know, he says the sun comes and scorched the shallow soil, the shallow plants. But he doesn't say, like, shame on the sun. It shouldn't have done that. He's, he's saying the soil was wrong because the roots couldn't go deep. It was too shallow. So the sun came and killed it. So the outside elements are not an excuse for us. Church, we really need to hear this. The, the, whatever's happened to you, whatever's happened in your past, whatever's happening to you now, whatever... whatever uh, diagnosis you got from the doctor or whatever, whatever kind of jerk boss you work for, or whatever family members are giving you a hard time, whatever it is, those are not reasons to not produce fruit in your life. 
I mean, that's the word of God. It's, it's very, very simple. It's not, saying, it's not saying it's easy. You know, like I said, weeds can come up in good soil. The sun's going to come out. He's going to come. But it doesn't have to keep us from producing fruit in our lives. And it's all about our soil. It's about our heart. So if our heart is at the right place, we can go through what Paul went through. We can get stoned. We can get shipwrecked. We can get beaten with 39 lashes. We can do all those things and we can still be fruitful. We can still have the joy of the Lord in our life because it's, it, because it's about where our heart is focused. If our heart is focused on him, then it doesn't matter what happens down here, right? I mean, it, it matters, but it doesn't keep us from being fruitful. It, it cannot th- nothing can steal our joy if our heart is fixed on him. Nothing can steal our joy if our heart is fixed on him. So I would encourage you in that today to, to put yourself in the path of seed. You know, seed's being thrown all the time. Seed's being thrown today. I'm throwing seed out here. You guys are in a good path. You're all being hit by it. You're, you're in the path of seed. Um, coming to church is a good thing. But you know, you can come to church with a hard heart and not receive much either. So it's not a, it's not a fix-all, but it is a good thing. You know, but putting, your, putting yourself in the path of seed. You know, I, I'll give a plug for small groups today, for our connect groups. You know, these connect groups, there's seed being thrown in these connect groups. We're living life with people. We're putting ourselves in the path of, of hearing from the word of God and being encouraged by others. And, and if we have areas in our heart that aren't good soil, that we, can, that we can be transparent with each other and we can pray for each other, we can encourage each other. Um, I, I beg of you to get into a connect group. It's, it, it's so good to be in community with others and, uh, and to be part of that. So getting yourself in the path of seed is so important and surrounding yourself with good people. Uh, the, the second practical thing I would give you, tell you is to plow up the hardened ground. Plow up the ground. Whatever's not good seed, plow it up. A plow is good for the hard path. It's good for the thorns. It's good for the rocky soil. It can break up all of that and help us, help us to have good soil. But, and you might say, well, how do I plow up the ground? Um, well, let me, let me give you a verse, first of all, in Hosea ten twelve. Hosea said, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. That's one of the, way you plow, one of the ways you plow up the ground. You seek the Lord. You seek the Lord. Church, if, if what you're doing isn't working, it's time to do something different, right? I'm, I'm almost in my mid-40s now. I'm 44. That's not mid-40s yet, right? I'm still early, early 40s. Or really late 30s, I think is what I would like to call it. But, you know, the older I get, my eyesight's going. You know, when I read, my, I either had to get longer arms or glasses. And, and things weren't working the way they used to for me to be able to read. And so I had to make a change. I had to go buy a pair of glasses. You know, and, and everybody thinks, well, that makes sense. That's con- of course, you know, if you can't see. But if our, if our soil isn't good and we just keep doing the same thing, but we think we're gonna, something's going to change, we're deceiving ourselves. We have to do something different. We have to, it's time for us to seek the Lord. To seek the Lord. Because when we seek him, we will find him. When we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him when we seek him, but it's up to us. We have a job to do as soil. We have to receive seed. We have a job to do in receiving that. And I think, I think one of the, one of the best ways to plow up the ground is stepping out in faith. You know, just, let me just say quickly, like I believe in coming in the opposite spirit. If you're dealing with fear, I believe in coming in the spirit of peace and doing things that, um, that will counteract that fear. You know, if you struggle with greed, the deceitfulness of wealth, if that resonates with you and you think, man, I really, I know that's truth, but I really, really want to make money because I really want to be able to have nice stuff. And I want to be able to retire at 60 and not have to worry about anything. And retiring at 60, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having stuff, but you know, it if it's actually driving you 
the, the, the money and, and getting more stuff. And it's, it makes you kind of greedy and makes you uh, too aggressive towards those types of things. Well, then, then one way to break up that ground, to plow up that ground is come in the opposite spirit and be generous with somebody. You know, find somebody that has some need and be generous to them and do something that would counteract that spirit that's working in you that's causing the hardened ground inside of you. I, I think one of the best examples of stepping out in faith was Abraham. You know, he was given a promise that his son was going to be the father, or he was going to be the father of a nation, a big nation, and he was going to have a son. And he was getting old, and he was frustrated. And instead of waiting, he he took his wife's maidservant and, and had a child with her. And that was a a big mistake, that where he was just not willing to wait on God. But then God's promise was still fulfilled in him. God promised him a child with him and Sarah, and God fulfilled that promise. And Isaac was born, and he was so excited. The promise of God had come to pass. And lo and behold, here comes God and says, oh, by the way, I want you to take him and sacrifice him up on Mount Moriah. And so Abraham, in, his, in stepping out in faith, the Bible says early the next morning, he got up. He took his son up to sacrifice him. It goes completely against the promise that he had from God. God said, you're going to be a father of a nation. And the promise was, was Isaac. But rather than like just, you know, dig his heels in and say, no, this is the promise. I, I can't do that. He had to learn to trust the promiser more than the promise. So he went up to Mount Moriah and went to sacrifice his son. You know the story. God stopped him and, and uh, provided a ram for a sacrifice. And, and we have the children of Israel today. But that was Abraham stepping out in faith and trusting God more than he trusts God's promise in his life. That's powerful for us that we, that we would do that, that we would trust God in a way that would, that would grow our faith and, grow, and keep our heart turned towards him. Always looking to find opportunities to turn our heart towards him. And then finally, the last one is reaping and sowing. The principle of reaping and sowing. I believe so wholeheartedly in this. It's all through the word of God. It's so clear. It's crystal clear, but it's so easy to skirt over in our lives. Galatians 6 says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. We will reap what we sow. If we sow faithfulness, we're going to reap the benefits of that faithfulness that I read in the the scriptures. If we sow selfishness and doing things our own way, then we're going to reap the benefits of that. We will reap what we sow. We can serve God. We can, we can fixate and focus on turning our hearts to God because we know that we will reap what we sow. I want to reap good things. I want to reap the blessings of God. I want to reap the, the promises of God in my life. And so to do that, I have to sow faithfulness to him. I, I read it earlier, but I'll read it again in Matthew twenty five twenty one. It says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Now here's the reward. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. Praise God. What a great promise. Being faithful in the little, and he will put you in charge of much. You notice there he didn't say, well done, beautiful, and never makes a mistake, servant. You know, well done, put together, and having all your ducks in a row, servant. Well done, whatever. You know, all the things that we would try to label or try to put on ourselves and on others. He doesn't say that. He says, faithful. Well done, faithful servant. And this, again, is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Having our heart turned towards God, fixed on him, and allowing him, and wanting him to be glorified in our lives. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we close. I want to refer you back to my original text in 1 Samuel 12, 24. And I believe this gives us a key to, to live in this life of faith. He says, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Look at this last part. Consider what great things he has done for you. This will turn our heart towards God. 
I know when, when Joy and I have gone through times where uh, things have been difficult, we've been going through stuff that we're not liking and that we're frustrated about, we'll get together and we will literally sit and talk about the ways God has been faithful in our life. And it's amazing what that does to your heart. It's amazing what that does inside of us when we start just, re- just remembering and reveling in the faithfulness of God. Everyone in this room, God has been faithful to you. Every one of us. And we have something we can, we can uh, look back to and see that, yes, God was faithful here. God was faithful here. God was faithful here. God was faithful here. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily change your circumstances today, but it gives us hope for tomorrow. And it causes that, it causes that ground that's in us to be plowed up turn over that soil so the nutrients can kick in so we can produce fruit in our lives good fruit fruit that will remain amen so i want to i want to just ask you today how's your heart how is your heart i want to pray for you i'm not going to ask you to come up today i'm going to pray for you right at your seats i just want you to if if anything that i've said today has has ministered to you or even pricked your heart a little bit and said yeah i have i have an area in my life that i i Definitely, my, the soil in my heart is not what I want it to be. I want to pray for you. I just want you to raise your hand. If that's you today, just raise your hand. Yep, all over the place. My hand's raised. There's areas in my life that I want to be able to say what Paul said. That I don't, everything else compared to knowing Jesus is rubbish. That's what we want. But, and when we are transparent and open with our God and we say, God, this is, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. Can you get me here? God says, yep. All I need is your willingness and your openness to allow me in. And even if you're not willing and open, you can say, God, I'm not willing. I want it, but I'm not willing. Help me to get to that place where I'm willing. God will do that too. So I want to pray for you today. But I also want to just mention to you, if, if you've never, if, you're, if you are that hardened ground that's been trampled on and you've never even received salvation because it's just never been able to germinate in your life, you've heard the gospel, you know what Jesus did, but you just not haven't been able to receive it. I want to encourage you today. You do not have to walk out of this place today without receiving it. You don't have to be perfect to get saved. You don't have to have it all together to get saved. I hear people say all the time, like, oh, I want to get my act straight, and then I want to go to church, and I want to, you know, live right. I'm like, you've got it backwards. You know, give your heart to Jesus. He'll, he's the one that works it all out of you. You're, you're trying to do it without the Spirit of God. You get saved, you get the Spirit of God. So you don't have to be, there's not a perfect Christian in this room. None of us are perfect. We're all struggling through this walk just like everybody else. But you don't have to walk out here today without knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I encourage you not to, do, to not do that. And I'm going to pray for us. So if you guys would pray with me, please. Lord, we just thank you so much today that we could trust in your faithfulness in our life. Lord, we thank you that, that we can come to you, we can come boldly to your throne, not because of what we've done or because of who we are, but because of what you've done and because of who you are. And we thank you for that today, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that while we were still sinners, that you came and died for us. You don't require us to be perfect. You don't require us to never make mistakes. All you require of us is our heart. And Lord, I pray for each person that raised their hand today, whatever area they're dealing with in their life, whether it's uh, hardened ground or if it's thorns or rocky soil or whatever the area is in their life that their soil is not where it needs to be, God. I pray that you would minister to them. I pray that you would help their hearts to turn towards you in those areas in their life. God, turn all of our hearts towards you. Lord, I pray that we could agree with Paul that everything is rubbish apart from knowing you just knowing you in an intimate way and in and, and having that love relationship with you, God, that would sustain us and produce fruit in our life. Lord, we, we do not make excuses today for a lack of fruit in our life. There's no reason, no matter what happened to us, no matter what we're going through, there's no excuse for us not producing fruit. We, we do not cast blame on anybody else. Lord, we just ask you to come and heal our hearts. 
heal our hearts and turn us towards you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, you are so, so good to us. We thank you, Lord, we can come to you. We don't have to come ashamed. Lord, you never shame us. You're not angry with us. You're just saying, come. Come to me. And Lord, so we do that today. We come to you. We trust you with everything that we are, God. Help us, Lord, as, as, as we leave this place today, oh Lord, would you seal this work in our hearts, Lord God. I pray that this, the, the, the seed today that's been thrown out, Lord, would germinate in us. That it would germinate, it would produce fruit a hundred or sixty or thirty times what was planted in our lives, Lord, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.